カハンニャハラミタシンギョウ Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. So, we're talking about love and compassion and wisdom. Buddhism teaches that just like all, other, all our other qualities that love possesses, the love, the love we possess is boundless. It equates to the Buddhist ideal of compassion. Rather than view this as a limited resource to be shared sparingly, authentic love powers our commitment to support others and enable us to grow ever more human in the process. I'll read that again. Buddhism teaches that just like all our other qualities, the love we possess is boundless. It equates to the Buddhist ideal of compassion. Rather than view this as a limited resource to be shared sparingly, Authentic love powers our commitment to support others and enables us to grow ever more human in the process. Can you hear me? Am I, am I speaking up loudly? Yes. Loudly enough? Loud enough. So I wanted to give you three little vignettes, two vignettes and a, and a Schitt's Creek.、Um, so,、um, These are really about love and compassion. So, as a chaplain, I used to work on the, in the hospice floor and in the psych ward,、um, the psych unit of Beth Israel Hospital in New York City, which is now closed.、Um, and as a chaplain, I wanted to work on the psych, in the psych unit, and my supervisor at that time was a rabbi,、uh, Rabbi Stephen, Stephen, and、um, he said, You're crazy. Sorry for that. You want to work on the psych unit? And、um, I said, Yes,、yeah. so、we've never had a chaplain in the psych unit. I said, Well, I'm going to do it. And so I went up to the psych unit and they said, Great, we've never had a chaplain. Perfect.、Um, <coughs> I also worked the, on the hospice floor in Beth Israel Hospital. So I want to tell you about, a story about Ruth Blumfeld. And the, these stories are true, I promise you, and、um, they're just so beautiful. So, Ruth Blumenfeld was an 86 year old Holocaust survivor. She met her husband in the concentration camp at Auschwitz Birkenau. And they were liberated at the end of the war and made their way to the United States. And they lived、uh, on Rivington Street down on the east side for their whole life. If anybody knows New York, you know where Arlington Street is? Arlington Street, down on the Lower East Side. There used to be a very, very Jewish enclave, Rivington、uh, and Delancey and that whole area. Yeah, yeah, the Jewish, yeah. <laughs>、um, so they lived on the Lower East Side for the rest of their lives after coming to the United States. 
They were unable to have children for whatever reason, whatever happened in Auschwitz. Um, and the first time I met her, the staff nurse on duty said, would you go see Mrs. Bloomfeld? She's really lovely. Uh, she's a, she's a, in the first bed and she'd really love a visitor. She doesn't speak any English. She speaks Yiddish and just, just a smattering of English. Um, but it's okay, she would just you know, really appreciate somebody sitting at her, you know, at the bedside. She has no family. And so I went into the room, introduced myself to Mrs. Bloomfield, Bloomfeld, sat down, you know, and she had dementia. And um, she kind of looked at me and was mumbling something and I just held her hand for a while. And um, no, you know, just complete silence, which is okay for chaplains, we teach you, there's, nothing, there's no such thing as a non-responsive patient, even if they're not speaking. So I visited a couple of every, every day for about three weeks, and she would be talking to me in Yiddish, a little smattering of English, as I said, and I could kind of get what she was saying in the English piece of it, and I heard the words Auschwitz, Birkenau, Ischak, um, um, or a couple of other words that I got. Um, hmm. Rivington Street, that was the other one. It's Hack, Rivington Street and Auschwitz Birkenau. And, you know, she would try and, you know, she'd speak of just a couple of words, you know. I can't remember what they were, but just a couple of words in English. And whenever I saw her, she would like squeeze my hand. Right? Whenever she said "itzchak," she would squeeze my hand and and smile. And then she'd break into Yiddish. I had no idea what she was saying. It's just so beautiful being with her, though, listening and listening to this language, listening to the Yiddish. I love the, the Yiddish language. I know a few Yiddish words now, um, and it was just this beautiful 86-year-old woman. And in her dementia, she was back and forth. You could tell when she was going back and forth, and, and when she was speaking in Yiddish. And just a few days before she died. She pulled me towards her and tried to kiss me on my lips. And I recoiled, I'm like, ew. Um, I have this thing in, in hospice and hospitals. Um, it seems that elderly ladies are really um, drawn to me. I'm like a magnet for old ladies. <laughs> Maybe some of you already know that. <laughs> the area you're in that age bracket. But um, it tends to happen in, in the hospital um, for whatever reason. And I kissed her hand. I couldn't kiss her lips. I kissed her hand and left. And this is, you know, this is about two and a half weeks in. And then one day, just before I finished, uh, just before my last visit, 
I went into her room and there was a lady there and she looked at me, then this turned out to be her neighbor who had taken care of uh, Ruth for men, they lived together in this apartment, they lived in the same apartment for like 50 years, 60 years. And the neighbor had taken care of her when she, when she, even in her dementia, the neighbor took care of her. And at one point she had fallen down the stairs, so they brought her into the ER and then put her on the hospice unit. Um, and she said, who are you? And I said, uh, I'm Chodo, I'm the chaplain on the floor. She's like, oh my God, it's you. I'm like, yeah. She said, oh my God, and she, was, she started to cry and she was holding her chest and she was like, and she bent over and said, said something in Yiddish to Ruth and Ruth had this big smile on her face and she said, she thinks you're her husband. And it was just such a beautiful, beautiful moment because then I realized that we were, she was talking to her husband for all these weeks. And um, it was like a love, it was a love story. And the, um, the neighbor asked me if I would kiss Ruth's forehead before I left. So I held her hand and I bent over and kissed her forehead. And as I was leaving, Ruth whispered, I love you, Yitzchak. Yitzchak was her husband. Yitzchak. That was Ruth. And the, um, yeah. As I walked out, all the staff were there. Because they all loved her so much. She died a few days later. And the other one is this beautiful love story. So this was on the psych unit. And um, again, the nurse manager said, um, would you go and visit Alice? It's my like, first day on the unit. She said, would you go and visit Alice? She's so needy. She drives the staff crazy. Um, we don't know what she wants. She has also had, she's in dementia. And um, we don't know what she wants, but she would love a visitor. So I go visit Alice and she's uh, on the bed and she's in the fetal position. I'm like, hello Alice, no response. Alice, my name's Chodo, I'm the chaplain. No response at all. And I kind of like leaned over and said, hi Alice. Nothing, nothing at all. So the next day I go in, I'm like, hey Alice. No answer whatsoever. So I said to the nurse manager, I said, I can't get through to her. She's just not. And they said, just keep trying, please. Because the only time we hear from her is when she, what, she keeps asking what the time is. What's the time, what's the time, what's the time? And um, they have to bring her food to her. She won't leave the room. So one day I walk in and she's sitting on the side of the bed and she's like this, She's like this little, she couldn't turn her head, she would turn her whole body like this. She was like a little sparrow or something, she's like this. And I said, hi Alice, it's Chodo, I'm the chaplain on the floor. And um, how are you doing? Of course, no response. 
So I sit with her for a few minutes, maybe half an hour, talking back and forth. She wasn't answering. Sitting on the side of the bed, though, and I thought, well, this is something. You know, at least she's sitting up. She's not in fetal position. And the next day I go and see her. I tend to see people every day. I want to, if, I want to go every day and make, you know, just make a relation, uh, begin a relationship with the folks that I visit. And the next day I go see her. She's sitting on the side of the bed. And I said, hey, Alice, what are you doing? Oh, and the nurse manager said, oh, she can't get up. She can't walk. So I go into her and I say, Alice, what are you doing? She's just sitting there and said, I hear you can't walk today. What's going on? And she just looked and said, she looked down at her feet, she said, So I said, Come on, let's get you up off the bed. And I reached out my hands. Um, come here. Maybe eat your shin. Little theatrics now. So I said, come on, Alice, what's going on here? And so I pulled her up off the bed, and I said, can you walk now? And she said, no, I can't get my feet to move. I said, can you dance? And she said, yeah. <laughs> so I said, let's dance then. And she said, can't do it. I said, yes, you can. I said, put your feet on top of mine. Put your foot on top of my foot. And she weighed like 120 pounds. And I said, okay, let's go, Alice. And I started whistling the Blue Danube. And, oh, and then we did that. We, we shuffled out of the door and down the hallway. And the nurses were like, fuck. Alice is dancing. And we did this all the way down the hallway to the Blue Danube Waltz. And um, it was one of the most beautiful scenes ever for me. And um, I had fallen in love with her. We were both totally in love with each other. I mean, can you imagine looking at this patient, you know, eye to eye, just dancing with her down there? And um, unfortunately, she was sent to Creed Moore. Uh, which is the worst uh, mental institute in the country, probably, and because she had no insurance. She had dementia, was um, hastening, and they couldn't keep her in the, in, on the unit. You know, they need the beds, so she was sent to Creedmoor. I have no idea what happened to her, but I suspect she died of probably just from being in Creedmoor, being abused and not fair to you, you know Creedmoor? It's an awful, awful, awful place. I think it's closed now. They closed it down. But that's where Alice ended up. And it was the most, most exquisite love story. I just, yeah. And there are many stories. Any of you who've worked on hospice as well as doctors and nurses know these stories. And, uh, Love and compassion. Compassionate action and falling in love, you know, and wisdom. I, I, I would hope that the wisdom, I think I would hope that those nurses, staff nurses, knew exactly 
who the patient needed. Because both times I said, Jodo, I think you should go see her. And, um, and my own wisdom to stay there, my own need, need to be there with these beautiful women. I have a story about Richard's mother, Mimi, when she was in hospice. When Mimi, Richard's mother, Koshin's grandmother, when she was in hospice, um, we, as Koshin mentioned, we all, we all visited her and a lot of the students from the, cent, the Zen Center would go and visit with her and just go and listen. You know, um, when I first met Mimi, she said, you know, it's, with all the best intentions in the world, the staff here, they're overrun. They, they can't listen to my stories, they don't have time. I'm 86 years of age and I got a lot to say. <laughs> right? A lot to say. And over the weeks, you know, Koshin used to take it to the, I knew that Koshin used to take it to the beauty parlor every week in Ocean Avenue, whatever it is, Ocean Avenue? Ocean Parkway. And one evening, we, we went to the hospice and uh, Mimi's bedclothes were pulled up, uh, exposing her feet. And you know, her little, t- her little feet were all gnarled and da, da, da. And she really missed going to the beauty parlor. And one of the hospice nurses came and you know, kind of, of volunteers came to comb her hair out once in a while. And her little gnarled feet, and I said, Mimi, did you ever wear nail polish? She's like, no. And I said, can I paint your toenails? She said, I'm, what color would you like? And she said, blue. <laughs> so I went and bought a bottle of blue nail polish and painted these little curled up toes. It was such an amazing moment in my life. This act of pure love and joy. Right? And this, I only knew her for a few weeks, but she was the most, I can understand why Richard and Koshin loved her so much. She was just this incredible force of energy. 86 years of age, 86, 84, 87. Can I tell the story about, this is gonna be, this is great, it's gonna be like a drop the mic night. <laughs> Can I tell the story about the pizza? So one night, I don't know if you were there Richard, but um, was Richard there? I don't think he was. Anyway, we're all sitting around the bed, like all these Zen students, and, uh, and Koshin and I, and we're all sitting there, and she's like, I think we were maybe there. Was Richard there, Koshin? I think so. And she's like, it's going to be tonight. I can feel it. It's going to be tonight. About 20 minutes, we're all sitting there. Then, a minute, <laughs> then all of a sudden she goes, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Let's get pizza and have some fun. <laughs> so she's like, it's not gonna happen tonight. But she, the way she did, she was like. <laughs> so we had, we had pizza, we had pizza. She was a, she was a pisser. And she died on my birthday. Both of Koshin's grandmothers died on my birthday. Years apart, but both on my birthday. 
Uh, my wedding anniversary, my birthday, and two death days. When I first met Koshin, um, no, when I, when I first met her, just before she died, she pulled me over, she said, take care of my baby. I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah. So the other story is, um, are, you, are you queued up, Wade? Schitt's Creek, okay, <laughs> Schitt's Creek. So David is a, is a kind of flamboyant gay man and always got new outfits on and the whole thing. And Patrick, his boyfriend, is very different to the kind of man that David is used to dating. David, you know, he used to have this very wealthy lifestyle of uh, and Patrick is this kind of homeboy, not homeboy, um, home, home, no, um, kind of Midwestern. It's a simple guy, he's like suddenly Jewish. Grass, a grass fed. And Patrick is like, it's not, uh, David is not sure if he's falling in love, but you know, they're hanging out and they're kind of dating. And one night, there's a, they're op they, op they, mm, they, buy, they mm, open the store together. It's like a, a local store with all knickknacks, you know, high-end knickknacks that David buys for this, like, they're in this tiny hokey -toke town. But, and there's an opening night, and um, David orchestrates this uh, little, mm, what do you call those things? Like a... Uh, an open mic launch, launch, launching party, and Patrick gets up and sits on the stool, and he has a guitar, and David's like, what the hell's going on? And all of a sudden, Patrick begins to sing to David, and he sings this beautiful song that was originally recorded by Tina Turner, and let's listen to it. This guy I want to dedicate this next song to um, a very special someone in my life, David Rose. I call you when I need you, my heart's on fire. You come to me wild and wild. You come to me and give me everything I need. Give me a lifetime of promises and a world of dreams Speak the language of love like you know what it means And it can't be wrong Take my heart and make it strong, babe You're simply the best Better than all the rest Better than anyone Anyone I've ever met And I'm stuck on your heart I hang on every word you say but tear us apart And David is looking at him Baby, he's like, I would rather be dead What the hell is going on when you first heard it? And then, then he's every quiet night and every and day. David's crying And he's like, I can't believe this beautiful man That he had doubts about singing this incredible love song to him Just as long as I'm here in your arms I can be in no better place You're simply the best Better than all the rest Okay, wait. Better than any 
I was bawling. He was bawling. I don't know if anybody else was bawling their eyes out. But it's one of those moments where you're like, I can't stop. <laughs> the tears like pouring down my eyes. Out of my eyes. It was so beautiful. Um, and that's my love stories. <laughs> <laughs> 